my page here is trying to be all funky. There we go. Good stuff. How are we doing? Good, good, good. good. I uh, am feeling great this morning, feeling energized, feeling ready to go. It has nothing to do with, the, with what's happening tonight at 530. Just, I'm just excited <laughs> to be alive. Amen. Uh, no, but all jokes aside, I'm very excited to be in church with you all today. It's just, just an amazing time. Great to see all your wonderful faces. And as Bradley mentioned, you know, we've been doing... Um, a study through uh, the book of Matthew and been talking all about, uh, you know, Jesus and his teachings, right? First and foremost, what are we as Christians? We are Christ followers. Amen. I love what Jesse uh, was saying as the Spirit was ministering through her this morning. It's not a one-time thing like, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. And then, you know, I, I want to be with you, Jesus. And then I just go do things my separate way every day the rest of my life. You know, that is not how salvation works. Salvation is a daily occurrence where Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow after me. Drop everything and follow after me. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say just to do it one time at a, at a revival. You know, one time you said a prayer, a 30-second prayer. That's not the end. That is the beginning. That's the beginning of this daily walk we have with Jesus. And how do we do this walk? Well, we replicate and do the things that Jesus did and live the way that he lived, right? And that, that goes uh, with his teachings. So what we've really been diving into is in Matthew chapter 5 is the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and really diving into all of that. And I wanted to kind of recap for us, you know, what are the Beatitudes? What are, what are we going over? Why are we going over it? In Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's tempted by the devil. He uh, defeats the devil. He comes out, and the first thing he says to the people is to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, to repent. Bradley talked two weeks ago about how the, the first and foremost is that if you want to follow after Jesus, if you want to live a life as a Christian, you've got to repent. You've got to repent. We can't keep doing things the old way and expect to walk in the new way, right? We've got to turn. Repent literally means to turn away from uh, the old way of living, right? So the first thing is to repent. And then Jesus says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then, uh, you know, Bradley talked about this as well, how the Bible was split up into chapters uh, based on the the people who who wrote the translations. And, uh, you know, chapter 4 and chapter 5 are split. But it really would be uh, more understood as a one one, uh, sequential event, like one thing happening after another. And so after Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, then he goes into uh, the first and really only sermon that we have from Jesus. And he begins to to talk about this kingdom. So you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, what is the kingdom of God like? Or, you know, what is God like? You've probably asked that question to yourself before, right? Uh, Jesus answers those questions for us. He, he answers all of those in, in his sermon, Sermon on the Mount, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, which is what we've been going over last week, today, and, then, and, and onward. And really what, you know, in my mind, kind of what I came up with is that Matthew 5 is a proclamation of what the kingdom is, is like, right? It's, it's kind of funny that he sit in Sermon on the Mount, because I always pictured it as like him standing on an elevated platform, like even more so than this, and like proclaiming out there, you know, this is what the kingdom of God is like, right? Hey, anybody who has ears, let them hear, right? That's what Jesus says a lot in in the Gospels. He's proclaiming it out. Hey, this is what the kingdom is like. If you've been curious, uh, this is what what it's like. I kind of relate it to this. Um, How many of you are familiar with the game Telephone? You probably played it when you were a kid. You know, where you line up in a line and the person at the front will give like a a phrase or uh, a sentence and you have to uh, whisper it in the ear of the person next to you until it gets to the very end and you kind of see what the end product is. It's usually pretty funny what people come up with, right? Um, And and it's kind of like all throughout history, humans have have kind of had this kind of telephone type 
uh, view of God, right? One generation tells the next of, 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 of God and, and the stories of God and, and uh, what they think God is like and, and all different cultures with all different gods, plural, right? And all different ways that they view, uh, you know, the heavens and, and all these different things, right? And it's like Jesus comes along as, as like the overseer of the whole game and says, listen, Y'all got it really wrong at the end. I don't know how it got so twisted here at the end, but this is what God is really like. You've heard some rumors. You've heard some things about what God is like in his kingdom, but this is what it's all about right here, right? And Bradley talked to us last week, uh, a really, a really amazing sermon. You should go back and listen to it. There weren't very many people here because of the weather, but you really should go back on Facebook and, and check it out. It was, it was awesome. He was talking about how God, uh, he was the beginning of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Just an amazing, amazing message you should go back and check out. While I was reading through this, getting prepared for this week, and I didn't really get very far uh, because there is just so much in this. I'm really only going to be going over one verse today. So if you have your Bible, um, open it to Matthew 5, and we're going to be uh, in, in verse 5. Matthew 5, 5. Chris, go, go to the next one first. I think it would be, yep. So that's probably what your Bible reads. It's probably the most common version. We're going to go ahead and, and dive into it now. Uh, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray real quick, and then we're going to dive into it. God, I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you so much for the powerful, powerful ways that you've been with us in worship and prayer so far. And God, I just pray in these next few moments as we dive into your word, or that you would help us. To, to really digest it. And Lord, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us this morning and, and help us to, to be transformed and to walk out of that door different than the way that we walked in, Lord. We love you, God, and we thank you so much for everything you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Maybe you're not very familiar with what the word meek means, and so then, Chris, can you go back to the previous one? This is another translation. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Meekness, uh, humility, um, lowliness, these are all really synonyms for one another. Uh, What Jesus is saying here is that God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who are humble. And as I'm reading this, I'm, I, you know, it, it really struck me. This is the first verse. First, oh, excuse me. This was the first verse that I read that was different, or that was uh, not what Bradley had gone over last week. It was the very first one. It hit me. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I thought to myself, that's not right. That's not right. I, I thought, who inherits the earth? I, you know, before I, uh, you know, dropped out of college. Sorry, mom. Um, the, before I dropped out of college, I was studying to become a history teacher. And so I took, I was very deep in my study too before I dropped out. So I took several history courses. I mean, the, the whole history of France, the whole history of Western civilization, the whole uh, history of Eastern civilization. There's a lot of nations in the world. And the people who inherit the earth are not the meek. <laughs> the people who inherit the earth are the rich, the powerful, and the strong, right? The, the ones who have the most weapons, the ones who have uh, the, the most tactics, the most resources. They're the ones who conquer. You ever heard the phrase, only the strong will survive, right? That is the, the way the world is run, right? That those are the ones who inherit the earth. Rome is the one who inherits the earth in Jesus' day. They're the ones who had uh, the, the kingdom that it, it was said that the sun never set on the Roman Empire because whenever this side said sun was setting, it was raising on this side because of how large the empire was, right? That was the world that Jesus lived in, and the world 
quite frankly, that's what we've lived in for thousands of years, right? That the strong are the ones who inherit the earth, the powerful are the ones who inherit the earth, the rich, right? And we even see this in like microcosms in the way that we conduct our daily lives, right? What are all of, most of us in here really excited for later this afternoon? It's a football game. The whole sport is designated around strength and toughness and people smacking each other and, and going out there and who's the strongest and most tactical to go out there and to win the game, right? And obviously, it's just sports. It's just a game, but it's a microcosm of how we think worldwide, right? Our natural human tendency of thinking is to think that I need to win by force, right? I need to go out there and the, the, only the strong will survive. Uh, it's, it's all about who can get the most money, the most resources, the most power, right? Because those are the people that will inherit the earth. Those are the people that are on top. Well, how many of you know that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, amen? God's ways are not our ways. We think of things in a very humanistic way of money, power, force, right? That, those are the people that will inherit the earth. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are, I, I, you could say, the lowly. God, blessed are the humble, right? For they will inherit the earth. Once again, this goes against our intuitive thinking because we're accustomed to the prideful and the powerful being the ones that are on top. If you need any uh, further proof, look at our politicians in Washington, D.C. Uh, they are anything uh, but the other. They are completely prideful and powerful, right? But they're the ones that are on top, right? Because that's the way that we tend to think. But it, and once again, it goes against our intuitive thinking. But Jesus is saying that the lowly, the meek, and the humble are the ones that will inherit the earth. And we see this over and over again. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that, that many nations that do this, people who conduct themselves in this way, oftentimes will do it claiming the blessing of God, right? Uh, that's the, the even further step. I told you that a lot of people will go, and there's been a lot of nations throughout history that do this kind of thing, right? But they're doing it all in the name of God, saying that God's blessing is on me, that God's favor is on me, that God's right hand is by me, right? And all these steps and ways that they do and conduct themselves being prideful and powerful. The prideful and the powerful believe that God's blessing is on them, but what Jesus is saying is, no, they've got it twisted, God's blessing, God's favor is actually on those who are humble, on those who are meek, on those uh, who are lowly. That's where God's blessing lies. And who do we see this first and foremost in? Who represents uh, humility? Who represents meekness? Who represents uh, self, uh, other-centered self-service? Who represents that? I can't think of anybody. Oh, Jesus, Right? Jesus represents us for us. Jesus is not asking us or, or inviting us to participate in something that he didn't do, right? Jesus is the prime example of this. Jesus is the example of the one uh, who truly lives this out. Jesus is the one who is meek and humble. He is the one uh, that lived this out in his daily life. He is the one that goes about uh, seeking uh, the, the good of other people first, amen? So Jesus lived this out. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They're the ones who inherit the earth. So the question with this is, is really to kind of transition more into um, an, an application for this. The question is, what is humility? What is being humble? And, and how do we do it? Right? 
Because I think at the end of the day, you know, it's one of those things that we, if I asked, you know, just took a pull out here and said, what is humility, right? It's one of the things that we kind of, we, we, see, we understand it when we see it, but really putting it into words can be challenging sometimes, right? And furthermore, putting it into an application can, can be a little bit challenging. But we really need to strive to live humble lives because this is what Jesus uh, wants us to do. Pastor Bradley gave us a really amazing definition of humility, and actually I don't even think it was him, I think it was C.S. Lewis that he was quoting, uh, but you know, credit to him, um, of humility several, several sermons ago, is maybe a couple months ago, and it was this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. What does this mean? Let's break it down. Oftentimes with humility, we have this self-deprecating attitude. Of, of um, you ever met somebody who just, they're like Eeyore, you know, they're like down all the time and they just, they can never take a compliment because they're so like, they just, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, they hate themselves, you know, they're very self-deprecating, they, very, they talk very poorly about themselves and, and that's a false sense of humility, like, oh no, I'm not really anything, you know, that's, that's false humility, uh, that, that's not the way that we should live, right, I'm not saying you should go out there and be boastful, but it, we should think of ourselves in the proper light, right, you are a child of God, as Bradley mentioned this morning, and because you're a child of God and you're made in the image of God, your self-worth uh, should be very high, you should think of yourself highly, Properly high, I should say, not like too highly, right? But you should think of yourself in the proper way because you're a child of God, right? You have self-worth. We all have self-worth because we are inherently made in the image of God, right? But we shouldn't be thinking of humility as like, oh, I need to think less of myself, like, oh, just putting yourself down, thinking of yourself as a loser or a nobody. That's not humility. That's just um, really just the opposite of narcissism. I mean, it's just kind of the complete other way, right? You're just really just putting yourself down, putting yourself down. What it is, is it's thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. I think a really good, defin- a really good way to, example to look at is Jesus, right? Jesus did not think less of himself. He thought of himself properly. He declared that he was the son of God, <laughs> right? He knew exactly who he was, right? But he wasn't going around acting like he was better than everybody else, but he told people exactly who he was, why he was there, and what he was about, right? He was very confident in himself and who he was. He wasn't flaunting it around like, oh, na 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 boo boo you can't catch me because I'm the son of God. I can do whatever I want, right? He didn't, you know, he didn't go out there and, like, beat people up like, I'm the son of God. I can do whatever I want, right? He didn't walk around flaunting it around, but he said exactly who he was, very confident about who he was, why he was there, and what he was doing, right? So he wasn't thinking less of himself, but he was thinking of himself less. Every single story in the Gospels, whenever Jesus is around, what is he doing? He is deferring to the needs of others. He's looking around and saying, hey, how can I bring God's blessing to this situation? Like, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? How can I look around? How can I provide value to their life? How can I uh, bless them in some way, shape, or form? That was Jesus, right? And, I mean, if you can go in, in the Bible and you can find one single spot where Jesus was being selfish, I'll give you a million dollars. I'm wagering that on the line because I ain't got it because you ain't going to find it. It's not in there. There's never a point where Jesus is selfish. There's never a point where he's looking out for his interests above other people, right? But all too often, that's what we want to do. That's what the proud do. That's what prideful people do is they look for their interests above other people, right? They're more interested in, hey, what's in it for me, me, myself, and I, right? 
Come here, right? Give, give it to me, right? But humble people, the meek, are more interested in, in others. They're more interested in how can I benefit others? How can I provide value and blessing to other people's lives? Um, living, once again, living a, a humble and meek life is not about self-deprecation, but it is about others-centered love. Others-centered love. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. I might have just made it really awkward for some of you. For some of you, hey, for some of you, you can save it for after church, okay? But listen, listen. Oftentimes in life, we're so focused on me, right? But we need to be focused on we. We need to be focused on the person next to us because God put us in relationship with other people in our life so we can be a blessing to them, not a vacuum, right? Not sucking things out of their life and taking from them, but to, but to be giving to them, to be a blessing to them, to be adding value to their life. Once again, not about self-deprecation, but about others-centered love, being, being focused on the other and providing value and blessing to them. Um, make others the focus of your life and watch your life flourish. Let me say that again. Make others the center of your life and watch your life flourish. People are always concerned about our be- my best life now, right? How can I live my best life now? What's, how can I, I got my dream house, I want, how can I get there, right? I've got my dream car I want, how can I get there, right? I've got all these things I want for my dream life, how can I get there? How can I make my life the best, best thing I ever wanted, right? In all my wildest dreams. Well, one, maybe we need to refocus our vision on what the best life is. But two, you will never, ever get there by focusing inwardly. You will always get there by focusing outwardly. By saying, how can I bless other people? How can I bless other people? What does the Bible say? You know, there's, the, there, there's this concept of, you know, uh, what goes around comes around, right? You might have heard that before. Um, I don't really believe that. I don't believe in karma or anything like that. But the Bible does say that you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And if you're always sowing selfishness, and if you're always sowing greed, and you're always sowing envy of like, hey, how can I get ahead? How can I take, 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 take from other people, right? If you're always sowing that, well, don't be surprised when the harvest comes around and you don't get a very good yield, right? But if you're always planting seeds of other-centered love, selflessness, uh, blessings to other people, when that harvest comes around, there's blessing that comes back to you. I believe that. I believe that as we go and we do good to other people, I do believe that that good does come back to us in the way uh, that we relate to others, right? Not, once again, not like a spiritual karma thing, but I believe that as we do good to others, they will do good to us. And Jesus says this, right? So he, he has the golden rule. If you want to go to the next passage, uh, this is just a really, really good uh, way that we should conduct ourselves, right? We're, we're talking this morning about humility, right? We're talking about giving value to other people, about blessing other people, right? Well, what does Jesus say? A really simple rule, even more so that they've stripped the Jesus off of this and put it in public schools as a way to, to live life, right? But it really comes from Jesus, right? The golden rule. Do unto others uh, whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you, right? That's the golden rule. That's uh, something that we intuitively know to do as human beings, right? And so as we live our lives, what does it mean to be humble? That's kind of the theme of this morning. What does it mean to be meek? It means to treat others the way you would want to be treated, right? We all want to be treated with respect. We all want to be treated with dignity, right? We all want to be treated with love, right? We all want to be treated um, with favors, right? Blessings. We want 
those things that come to us, right? Well, it really helps a lot if you treat others that way. Jesus says, treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And Bradley brought this up last week, but I can't, I, I got to bring it up again because it's so important. If we all lived in this way, wouldn't the world be a much better place? And think about this. If every single human took the principles that we're going to talk about last week, this week, and in the following weeks, if every single human, every single, all 8 billion or however many of us there are now, if every single human took the principles that we're going to talk about and implemented them in our life, man, it would be heaven on earth. Amen? It would be heaven on earth. It would be God's kingdom. That's what it would be because these are the principles of God's kingdom. God's kingdom would truly be amongst us uh, in the flesh, right? Because this is what Jesus has, has taught us is that this is to be lived out, right? This is to be lived out. I can't control all the other, you know, uh, 7 billion and whatever amount. But, but as for us in the River Church, we can control what we do, right? Yeah. We can control how we live. And putting these things into practice is really, really, really key. Really key uh, whenever we go to live out our Christian life. Once again, the world thinks of things in terms of, you know, the powerful, the prideful. Those are the ones who get on top, right? And although we wouldn't say it, there's a part of us, I might add a sinful part, but a part of us that desires to be in that way, right? We desire to be on top. We desire to to be the most powerful, to have the most money and resources, to, to, to really go out there and to take what's ours, right? You probably heard some similar messages to that, right? And there's a part of us that wants that. I, I urge you to, to resist that part, right? We weren't made to live in that way. We were made to live humble, meek. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. God's blessing is on those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Not the prideful, the powerful, the rich, but the meek, the humble, the lowly. Bye-bye, Facebook. Looks like the Mevo just died. Um, that's okay. Hopefully they got something out of it. Here's the key point. Here's the key point. And I wrote this out. I want to read this, I want to read this verbatim. The world does not belong to the prideful and powerful who only take with no return. The world truly belongs to the meek, lowly, and humble, who give of themselves and expect no return. Those that, those that, did you hear that? Those that live with other-centered, self-sacrificing love will inherit the world. Let me say that again. Those that live with others-centered, self-sacrificing love will inherit the world. Remember what the scriptures say: God opposes the what? The proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Say that with me. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Write that in your fridge somewhere. Let, let, see that, I'm serious. See that every day. Or find a nice little Bible app picture of it and screenshot it and put it on your phone. Because that's a daily reminder, right? God opposes the proud. This kind of goes back to what Bradley talked about last week, but those who, who think that they're so high and mighty that we don't, even, we don't need God. We don't, understand, we don't even need uh, him to intervene in our lives. We have no need of him or anything like that, right? But even more so than that, the people that will you know, flaunt themselves over other people and they think that they're, you know what, don't stink. And they just think that they're, they think that, they think that they're the next greatest thing. They're better than sliced bread, right? You've heard all the phrases, right? We've met those kind of people. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can be those people, right? 
God help us. God help us. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the what? To the humble. So I want to give you a couple practical things as we close this uh, message here today about what it means to be humble. Like, how, What does this actually look like in our lives? What does it look like uh, to be humble and t- to think of other people uh, above ourselves? Very simple things, and this is a very Midwestern thing, but is to, to open the door for other people. I mean, you'd be surprised sometimes like the way people act. I mean, they, they don't do that. I mean, I think it's a pretty common courtesy thing, but it's just a small small example of, 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 do, of humility, I think, is, is thinking, you know, hey, they're more important than me, and so I didn't open the door for them, right? Just little small stuff like that. Maybe in, in your life with your spouse, maybe it means to, uh, to like take out the trash or to, to voluntarily do the dishes or something like that, right? Maybe it means you know what pleases the other person to, you know, what makes them happy and what really what they would desire of you. And you go out of your way to go do that, right? Because you're thinking of them first rather than yourself. Um, maybe in terms of um, your, your friendship, maybe you have a really close friend and you know that they really uh, like a certain, I don't know, ice cream or something like that, right? And you give them a gift, right? That can, gift giving can be a really good way of, of thinking of others, right? And, and, and um, being there. But more so than that, I think even on a deeper level with friendship or, or relationships, uh, uh, brother and sisterhood in the church is just being there for other people. Sometimes, you know, people are going through stuff. Uh, I mean, there's been many times with like, you know, Christy, uh, whenever, you know, there's been things that happen, you know, and, and being there for other people, yeah, you could be doing anything else. You could be watching, uh, you know, Reno 911 on TV or something like that, you know. But it's important that we're there for one another instead of wasting our time on things that really don't matter, right? You, maybe that's what you want to do. It's a silly example. Maybe that's what you want to do. But thinking of others first and saying, hey, how can I be a blessing to them? How can I add value to them, right? How can I go out there and, and uh, make a difference? And I might add... You know, on this note, I think one thing that we do really well as a church, um, if I could be not humble about our church for a second, if I could be a little bit boastful, uh, is that our humility is, is really, uh, and I, I guess I can brag about you guys, right? You guys can't brag about yourselves, but I can brag about you. I think that our humility is really, really shown in the past that we could spend the money that comes into this church on all kinds of things, couldn't we, Pastor Brad? I mean, we could get a whole brand new sound system. Uh, we could replace all this stuff up here and get some new stuff. We could trick this place out with some nice looks and whatnot. But no, we think of others in the community first, right? We're thinking of their needs first and saying, hey, yeah, someday we'll get rid of these chairs that have some like stains all over them and stuff, right? We'll get rid of these sometime, right? But what's more important is them. It's the people that don't even have a chair to sit on right, is, is other people, right? So that's where humility comes in, is thinking of others first and, and putting them uh, first in, in our lives, right, and on a daily basis, right? And, and, and I, I really encourage you, um, we're going to have a time of prayer and communion here in a minute, and, and sometimes in these times we can, you know, sit there and, and be like, oh God, you know, bring, bring to light this or that, right? But I really want to really challenge you um, to let the Holy Spirit uh, inform your imagination for a, f- a few moments. And, and you know your life better than I. I've give you, given you a few examples. But I want you to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to say, God, how can I be more humble? What are the ways that I've been prideful? What are the ways that I've been uh, maybe neglecting the people around me? And how can I be of service and blessing to them? Right? How can I put the other people around me first instead of you know, hogging all the attention and, and being a, uh, just a very selfish person, right? 
how can I change my ways, right? That's why I think at the end of every single message that we do, the time of reflection that we have, it's really important. It's really important because the last thing Pastor Bradley and I want is for the words that we say just to bounce off of this ceiling, go into the Mevo, and then you know, out into the oblivion forever to never be remembered again. We want these things uh, to be applied to, to your lives, to our lives, right? Because that's what we're here for is to be changed, right? And to be made more like Jesus, to be made more like uh, the one who is meek, the one who is lowly, the one who is humble, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the beatitude for the day, I guess you could say. Uh, one beatitude a day keeps the doctor away, right? No, I'm just kidding. But keeps the devil away. There you go. Put that in your fridge. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the day. I thank you so much for your word.